fans, welcome to another episode of Ruby Redux here on Rooster Team Radio. Tonight we are talking about Volume 8, Episode 9, The Witch. Actually, no, it's just Witch, but when I think Witch, I think of the Vivitch. I also think of Witch Old Witch. There are lots of things I think of when I think of Witch. But anyway, please, let me uh, let me go ahead and introduce my fantastic co-host. Uh, <laughs> joining us tonight is the lovely Katie Cullen. There are like... 35 puns to do with which and I couldn't figure out which one I wanted so Badum-tish. I'm a little stuck <laughs> <laughs> at least I've kept my head unlike Salem for a little bit there <laughs> <laughs> also joining us is the wonderful Stacy Shuttleworth witchy witches so very witchy that's all I got <laughs> uh like yeah, I I am very excited to talk about the Wicked Witch of the West. This is just this is gonna be fun. She's defying gravity. There's so much fun stuff to talk about. Does she weigh the same as a duck? <laughs> <laughs> if she weighs the same as a duck, then she's a witch <laughs> burner. <laughs> Let's be real though, ain't nobody here getting better. <laughs> Oh boy. And I am Megan Salinas. And sadly, Mark B. Donica could not join us tonight. He is still in the midst of a crazy work schedule, but he will join us when he can. Uh, he sends his well wishes, so please send him yours as well. You can tweet at him at Mark B. Donica on Twitter. Send him all of your love because he's sending you all of his. So, guys, without further ado, please step into our humble abode as we talk about this episode. What did we think of episode 9 of this volume? Let's go ahead and start with Stacy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this season just keeps getting more and more satisfying. I think we have had so many things threaded for so long and we're starting to see the fruit of all of these little seeds that have been planted all over the place. And some of them are, you know, reasonably expected with twists that make them fresh and interesting. And others are just moments where we're sitting here going, oh, we didn't think you'd do that. But you did that. <laughs> they went there. <laughs> again. Went there. And again and again. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to unpack. Katie, how about you? What would you think? See, I was similar to Stacy, but in the other extreme, because my initial thought was, Yeah, I did a lot of yelling when we first watched this episode. Like a lot, like a lot, a lot. So this, I think, I don't remember if it was in the podcast or the reaction for last week's episode, but I made a comment about, and we didn't even get to see what was going on inside the whale. And then this one is just all whale all the time. And it's great. And I love that between the previous episode and this episode, we've managed to thread the needle fairly well with uh, balancing what we're seeing at the manor and what we're seeing elsewhere versus what we're seeing inside the whale and on the battlegrounds. And I appreciate that, but also insert that loud scream again, because, oh my god. 
Yeah, I, I have to concur with both of you. I found this episode to be a hell of a lot of fun. I thought it was insanely satisfying. We get some really good payoff for stuff that had been um, kind of building up to all volume. And I am super, super excited to see where it goes from here. So uh, let's go ahead and start kind of like um, w the way we talked about Jailbirds last week. Let's go ahead and uh, start with the Atlesian Forces side of things. Because it's not a huge component of this episode, but we keep cutting back to it as we're... Uh, <laughs> As we're dealing with our whale shenanigans going on. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about the Atlesian side of things just so we can knock it out before we really get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. Um, so Winter is leading the forces against all of the grim forces that uh, Monstra has unleashed on Atlas and on Monstra herself. They're waiting for the payload to come in and uh, like... Atlesian forces are stretched so thin that they're also currently sending out students, which, as Mero points out, they're just kids. And uh, in particular, we see Neon and Flint heading out into the battlefield. And obviously, like, the, our, our main cast of characters consist of, hunt, you know, for the majority of this series, Huntsman and Huntresses in training, like Team Ruby and Team Juniper, uh, they're all they're all kids, but it's a little bit different. And um, I actually I can't remember who on Twitter. I actually thought it was really interesting, but somebody on Twitter pointed out that multiple volumes ago, Ironwood was criticizing Ozpin for sending kids out to fight a war. Fast forward to volume eight, and he's doing the exact same thing. So, hey, Ironwood, maybe don't throw stones at glass houses. Um, but anyway, we get to see them head out into the fight, and Marrow in particular um, seems to be having a lot of trouble, one, with sending all these kids out to fight, and two, with unloading the payload before they've heard anything back from Yang and Ren and Jean, or as he calls him, Juan, which really appreciated that callback joke. Um, and we get a really nice moment between him and Winter. Uh, so I wanted to know, what was your guys' take on the way um, Winter seems to be dealing with this whole thing and the way Mero seems to be processing it as well? Uh, again, let's go ahead and start with Stacy. Winter is working very, very, very hard to rationalize to this to herself, and Mero is not helping. <laughs> <laughs> if no one has, like, if no one else was around, if everyone else is like, yes, we are doing our duty, this is our job, all of the other Aesops are, this is our job, we are in work mode, I think Winter could live with herself. Because she's pretty good at ignoring her own conscience, which we've kind of seen her struggling with in past episodes, and she's definitely struggling with it here. And then there's also Mero, who's out loud saying, hey, you know, you know this is not right. <laughs> you know you have to live with this. And bringing in the human aspects of it, it's a lot easier to think of, oh yeah, we're sending in these people that I'm not too familiar with. Well, these are your sister's best friends. This is her team. You gonna tell her? Would you do that to her? <laughs> Aww. Right, and yeah, we're really, really making Winter struggle with <laughs> the moral implications of this, and really making her face off between 
her own personal emotions and her sense of duty, which she is clinging to right now. Maybe not very well for long. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see for how much longer. Katie, what do you think? I think that's a good point in bringing up the sense of duty because at this point, that's what you need to get the job done. It it took me basically until almost the end of the episode to realize that, oh, that nice new costume design is a back brace and an arm brace. She's still really hacked up, but she's out there doing her job because... Unfortunately, with the way things are unfolding and with this unwelcome guest literally crashing the party, she can't afford to wait. She doesn't have the time to recover. It's, it's that Elysian health plan. Is something wrong? Either put, it, uh, put mechanics on it or just remove the whole thing and replace it. Also with mechanical parts. <laughs> Elysian health, man. Slightly terrified. But I appreciate that. I appreciate that observation. Um, the thing that got me was actually at the very beginning of the episode, we get that camera sweep starting behind the Elysian lines and going through their lines, through the Grim and into Monstra. And just the fact that there's this long stretch of dead bodies that we go over before we hit the Grim lines. We know that Grimm disappear when they die, but the fact that there's just this swath of dead humans there is like, oh, it really makes it look like we're not doing too well because humans leave bodies behind and Grimm don't. Yikes! So I feel like that shot is a very good way to ground the audience and to do the whole, hey, this is how the fight's going right now. Welcome back sort of thing. So yeah, I thought this was well done, but also, oh good lord, it turns out that having command of something is actually extremely difficult. I really like that you pointed that out, because, you know, it's it's so easy to get caught up in the narrative of all of our main characters, and to be like, no, Winter, you have to wait. Like, you can't possibly, you know, be right there with Marrow and be like, you can't possibly send in the payload right now. Um, they haven't come out yet. You haven't heard from them. Like, you know, they're they're so close. Like, don't, don't do it just yet. But she has no context for that. And every minute they spend waiting to hear from them or every minute they spend waiting on the payload in particular, that's more people dead. And it's not that this volume has been shying away from it. It's just we've mostly stuck with Team Ruby looking on, like, looking at the carnage from the outset and, like, being distant from it um, for one reason or another and having to watch it all unfold from a distance. I, I really appreciated this portion of the episode kind of taking uh zooming in on that aspect of things even if it was just brief and for a moment it really does demonstrate the dilemma that winter is in because on the one hand soldiers are dying on the other hand you know children going on this uh <laughs> let's be real it would have been unsanctioned if she hadn't given them the go ahead uh this unsanctioned very dangerous mission are also at stake, but she's invested in it because she personally knows them. That's a hell of a dilemma to be in, and I do not envy Winter's current position, um, but I really appreciate 
the complexity that they're showing. And I real uh, again, excellent, excellent, excellent performance from Elizabeth Maxwell and just everybody, the entire cast, all all the way around, especially in this episode. Bravo, bravo. Yeah, Winter's dilemma here is which lives do you prioritize? Ugh. It's an awful, <laughs> awful dilemma. And here we are. Yeah, and I again, we've been we've been talking about Marrow quite a bit too, and how he feels about this entire situation, and how out of everybody in the Aesops, he's the one most sympathetic to Team Ruby. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if in the up in the upcoming episodes this volume, if you know Winter really does make the decision to send the payload in before the kids get out. Uh, if he is going to go along with that plan or if he's going to openly defy those orders. Uh, do we think that's a possibility? Katie, what do you think? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Especially since we got the call out two episodes ago, which was also a month and a half ago. Oh, my God. With um, Ren looking at him and going, you don't even want to be here. So that's a... Uh, yeah, I can see that happening. Stacy, thoughts? Yep. <laughs> uh, <that's, laughs> I, look, I don't think there's a better way to put it than that. Yeah, he has been completely made aware. Uh, if he hadn't already had an inkling that this is how he felt, he was straight up called out on it and has now had to grapple with that from that moment into the present. And... I do think that, yeah, his sense of loyalty to these kids might outweigh that sense of duty that Winter is grappling with. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. So we'll we'll see. We've made predictions before. Some of them right, some of them not so right. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Um, do we have any final thoughts on um, the, the, the sort of battlefield stuff that we have going on? Uh, the only other thing I want to point out is just, it, it, even though the, the circumstances are really dire, it's nice to see Neon and Flint again. <laughs> Wish it was in better circumstances. <laughs> it's all of Team Funky. We just didn't really get to see either of their teammates <laughs> right. ex do anything except pop out of the trench and go murder Grimm. <laughs> we wanted Team Funky back, but not oh. like this. Not like this. And another finger on the grim monkey's paw curls <laughs> inwards. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, I don't know if they're taking any requests for upcoming <laughs> grim fairy tales. Uh, but yeah, if we could get a grim monkey's paw story, uh, please and thank you. <laughs> oh my God, leave that one where it is. No. Are you sure you want that? Are you sure? Of course you're sure. <laughs> you're asking Megan. I, I realized that as I was speaking, okay? <laughs> For those not aware and those who have not read the original Monkey's Paw story, uh, the concept of a monkey paw is, you got your wish, good luck. <laughs> you got it in the worst possible way. And the original Monkey's Paw story kind of veers straight up into horror towards the end. So, uh... It is a yeah. horror story, yes. It is, it is. <laughs> not just a fable, it's a straight-up horror story. So, um, yeah. 
So, uh, and um, if you guys didn't hear the news today, there's an upcoming Ruby fairy tale animated series. I mean, they talked about it at RTX, but today was like the first uh, big announcement since that time. So I'm excited, uh, and I would like to humbly submit a request for a monkey's, <laughs> a grim monkey's paw story. <laughs> okay, but it's like a wish-granting semblance and also crow's semblance. <laughs> Could you imagine that, like, being, that being your semblance and, yeah, things just being terrible all the time? Your monkey's paw semblance. Big <laughs> oof. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, Stacy, any other thoughts? Uh, seeing the war in, like, its full glory, it just really... It's a very sobering like thought amongst all of these heroic like individual heroics that we see and then you pull back and see the grand scale of everything and it's, it's always just very sobering to be reminded <laughs> yeah things the stakes are escalating all right if that's uh if that's it for that then let's hop on over to a whale of a tale a whale of a tale or two um <laughs> I don't know the rest of that song, but it always pops into my head whenever we see Monstra. Uh, so let's go ahead and start going with what the Monstra side of things. And let's start with Jean, Yang, and Ren. They come in and immediately go, wow, this was a terrible decision. <laughs> Why did we do this? This was not a great idea. Um, but... We get to see uh, these three sort of patching things up now that they're in this dire situation. Um, and I think Ren's breakthrough uh, and his um, his declaration to, the, to Winter and the Aesops has a lot to do with that. I think he's sort of made peace with a lot of the, the, a lot of the cause of their team friction. I think he's sort of made peace with. And so we get to see like these three sort of bury the hatchet as they're in this absolutely terrifying situation. Uh, what did we think of seeing these three kind of get to a chance to work together in harmony once again? Let's start with Katie. I would once again like to talk about how I completely love Ren's power upgrade. Oh my god. I am here for visual empathy. I am here for being able to sense emotions. I'm just here... For all of it. I love it so much in concept and execution. Just like, yes. This is one of those tropes where I'm like, yes, please. Sign me up. Thank you. And so to have a character now have it and come by it honestly is just like, yay. <laughs> so that makes me happy in my heart of hearts. I appreciate that it also gives him this nice little call out feature where he just completely cuts the bullshit with everyone. <laughs> like with Yang, you... You don't always have to make a joke. It's okay to be scared. Like, I appreciate this. I appreciate that he just goes straight through everything and goes, yeah, no, this and this and this. Again, the call-out session two episodes ago watered my crops, cleared my skin, <laughs> gave me life. <laughs> I love this. I need more of it going forward. And I appreciate that, yeah, it's given him a little bit of clarity of mind and clarity of purpose and that Jean is also willing to reach out and extend that olive branch. And I appreciate during the conversation, we also get, yeah, no, he's not afraid. He really believes that we can do this. 
And I feel like having someone who can see that and confirm it also really helps for something like this. Especially with Yang, where we see her working with covering things with a sense of humor, and we've, we have seen a lot of her having to work through self-doubts. So having someone who is just straight up himbo-level optimism, but with more <laughs> brain cells, yes. Let's do it. Let's go. Also, Yang's line read about finding a needle in a whale. Why did we think this was a good idea? Favorite line read in the episode, possibly in the season. Full stop. Perfect. <laughs> Agreed. Stacy, how about you? God. The two of them communicating now was just so genuinely wholesome. It felt open in a way that was almost really awkward at first. The way they were communicating with each other. Aww. That, yeah. that kind of, oh yeah, we really had it out really <laughs> recently. But how much they care about each other and trust one another and know how to work as a functioning, well-oiled machine still takes like still shines above everything else. And they can kind of move forward from that. And there's, I think there's still a little bit of unease insofar as the words they exchanged, but there's definitely no lack of confidence in each other's ability or in each other's you know level of trust in one another yeah competence or (laughs) they've got each other's back and they know that fully and completely and seeing that kind of play out so openly uh made for a really really nice team bonding moment and gosh yes Ren's Ren's ability to read minds he's always been very direct and straightforward so this is just the perfect evolution for him because now he can be direct and straightforward and know that he is correct (laughs) does he need that kind of power have we created a monster (laughs) uh yes to all and i love it i know right it's great it's so good i cannot wait for the moment he and nora are reunited and he gets to see actually see the way she feels about him and i'm really excited for that uh katie you look concerned oh no (laughs) (laughs) no that was just my heart going (laughs) (laughs) we already have the pure and genuine like friendship now we now we get an even more pure uh, (laughs) moment here this is just me lying on the floor in a puddle of my feels going, more. my puddle must be bigger! More feels! I mean, okay, don't get me wrong, I miss Mark, I miss his input on all of these discussions, but one of the fun things about having it sort of be a little girl's party is that we get to just record these episodes in the love loft. We just, we live here now! <laughs> I mean, you don't have to be a girl to love the love loft. That's just kind of how this podcast shook out. (laughs) (laughs) Just say it. This is not a no boys allowed club by any stretch of the imagination. We're all shippers here. Um, I will say no turbo teens allowed in the love loft. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) We didn't make a turbo teen uh, reference last episode, and somehow that felt wrong. (laughs) God damn it, Mark. Couldn't let another <laughs> So there it by. is. Obligatory Turbo Teen reference. Everyone is allowed in the love loft. 
Except for Turbo Teen. He lives in the garage. What if Turbo Teen is just a shipper at heart? He can live in the cryptid garage. I don't care. That is the line in the sand and I'm drawing it. <laughs> okay, we'll put a little sign. <laughs> we'll put a little sign at the top of the uh, at the top of the stairs saying no turbo teens. I think by the time this podcast is over, at least one person will have photoshopped us a love loft sign with no turbo teens. <laughs> and a turbo teen just looking longingly through the window as rain falls around him. <laughs> Slowly puts a hand up to the window and sighs and looks away as the depressing music swells and the rain pours. Now, okay, I'm done. <laughs> no, 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 go on. He just I'm wants listening. To t- he just wants to talk about his favorite ship. So why, why are we so cruel to him? Uh, but anyway, so <laughs> he doesn't do ships. He's a car. Hey. <laughs> All right, that is a solid argument. <laughs> I hate you so much, Katie. I no, hate you, you so no, much. No, you don't. No, you don't. All right. Do we have any? Uh, I, I think the only other thing I want to point out um, before they all get reunited is just as they're fighting Grimm. I I liked the note about continuing to move forward. Uh, it was it was a fun joke. It was it was a nice sentiment all rolled into one. I appreciated it. Uh, how about you guys? Any final thoughts on uh, Jean, Yang, and Ren before we move on with the story? Still the best line read. <laughs> Thank here, you, here. Barb. <laughs> the three of them have such a fun dynamic. I'm very glad we've gotten to see them team up over this season. Same. It's It's been a lot of fun. Um, it, I mean, I know that they had their rough patches, but this this scene in particular, it was just it was really nice seeing them come together again. All right. Uh, and t- speaking of our, our friends and, you know, everything like that, they're here for one reason, and that's to retrieve Oscar. And Oscar is currently all on his lonesome, and this is, this is heartbreaking. Oscar is back in his cell. He's talking to Ozpin about this fairy tale that he is fond of called the girl who fell through the world and no joke i am genuinely wondering if we are going to get this in the upcoming animated fairy tale show because i don't believe it was one that was listed in um the recent grim fairy tales book am i incorrect in that it's not we checked it we checked it and it's not there because I, I read the fairy tale book, but that was several months ago, and I can barely remember what I did yesterday because of quarantine. <laughs> My brain is like an a red is like an etch a sketch. It's just it's completely gone um, if I don't think about it for too long. So I was wondering if I had just forgotten about it, but um, but yeah. So I'm wondering if that's something we're gonna get in the upcoming animated series. So maybe something to look forward to. I don't know. Um, but the point of the story was that uh, the girl could never really go home again because she had been so changed after having gone on her adventure. And Oscar is really struggling with this. And we've had it um, throughout this volume. He's really struggling with the idea of losing his identity to Ozpin. And it, it genuinely scares him to the point where he doesn't even want to use magic because he can feel it speeding up the process. 
what did we think of this one-on-one -on -one conversation that the two of them were having? Let's start with Stacy. This is kind of an interesting moment of yeah between them where Oz was kind of ready to kind of pull out all the stops and abandon the plans that they had been kind of carefully laying and just fall back on his magic. And I think that says a lot about Oz. It <laughs> doesn't sound inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, and here's Oscar with his very real fears and very real sense of self-preservation coming into play here. Um, I guess good thing Oz was very wrong and his it's not working was very quickly proven wrong. What, like 10 seconds later, Hazel walks in? <laughs> he's lived long enough that he's out of patience. God, right? Can you imagine how many things he ran out of patience for right before they worked out? <laughs> so, so many. This is when we get that montage of just the missing moments where if he'd stuck around for another, like, 10 seconds... Gretchen would be alive and Amber wouldn't be, she, he would have sent Amber down a different road and she wouldn't have been um, murdered. attacked. Yeah, murdered. <laughs> attacked. Like, all of these things. You could put, like, I don't want to say a 10-minute montage of two-second moments where he just, if he just stuck around for a little while longer, things would have worked out. Man, he could have solved this whole immortality issue, like, Several hundred years ago, now the man just has no patience, and it just keeps getting more. I'm spitballing. <laughs> I, I mean, is his impatience the real villain of the series? <laughs> no, the real villain of the series is definitely Salem and her bullshit. <laughs> no, the real villains are the, well, okay, the real villain is Salem, but let's be real, the gods didn't help. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I don't think they've ever helped anyone ever, but okay. Uh. <laughs> like, well, you know, this is why they thought bringing Ozpin back and putting him in the reincarnation cycle the way they did was a good idea. They're like, you know what? To punish you, we'll give you immortality. That seems like a good plan. And then she goes and rallies the humans against them. Like, well, instead of thinking that maybe we shouldn't have given a grieving, angry, manipulative human immortality, maybe we should, you know, maybe we should look at what we did instead of taking it out on all of these humans who are being led by this grieving, angry human who we gave immortality. Nah, <laughs> let's just blow up all the humans because humans can't be trusted. And then we'll just leave. We'll just leave. What if we blow up the moon on the way out? Okay, brother, that's a bit too far. Says you. I'm going to do it. Okay, okay, we'll blow up the moon on the way out. Have fun. Can you leave at least, like, part of the moon so it still rotates just in case, I don't know, werewolves happen on this planet at some point? Oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. That's fine. That's fine. And then I just... Look... This is Salem's fault, but my god, they're terrible. <laughs> I, Leadership. I'm, I'm imagining that Simpsons meme, meme of the, uh, the gods going, are we so out of touch with humanity? No, it's the humans who are wrong. <laughs> and you know, most of the time I would say that second part is right, but not here. Not no. right now. No. I mean, I... Like, we know that endgame for this is eventually going to be all the relics put together and the gods coming back and passing judgment on humanity, yada, 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 whatever. Um, 
I just need them to come back and just be completely fucking inane. Or just dumb as hell. What did you guys do with our fixer-upper planet? Oh my god, look at this person. They've got cat ears. What is this? Did you do this? I didn't do that. I don't know what happened there. Oh, they evolved all on their own. Look at that. <laughs> Tourists on their own world. <laughs> it's not theirs anymore. <laughs> I just, I just need something really really stupid either tourists or people like showing up to a cat cafe and not knowing how to handle it or just something <laughs> real real dumb and i know that's not gonna happen but this is where i am with my life right now <laughs> i am disenchanted with stupid gods and i just like to see them do dumb things i've been playing a lot of hades and that's part of it <laughs> 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 just i love terrible gods not vengeful angry gods but just shitty gods guys 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 what mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what if you know all of this is happening all of this is going on and like you know there's so much death and destruction going on on remnant what if the gods straight up forgot about us in salem and then they're, they're just like Oh, that's right! We made a planet! Oh, no! <laughs> or they get pulled back and they're like, What the fuck? What the fuck? Where are we? Who called us? How did you call us? And Oz is like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> did you forget? And they're like, No! <laughs> Look, I feel like that is more likely than we think. <laughs> oh, my God. I seriously doubt that's going to be the case, but I'm I'm basically writing Ruby Chibi episodes here. <laughs> <laughs> I actually would like to see Chibi-fied versions of, <laughs> of the oh of the brothers. That would be so fun, so cute, so cute. Uh, anyway, Oscar and Austin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, do we have any final thoughts on their dynamic in this episode before we move on? It was very cute. This isn't going to go well. <laughs> Always an understatement. <laughs> I appreciate Ozpin's sympathy. Um, and I appreciate him being like, hey, you know, you, you seem to be doing all right on your own. You don't need me. Um, I, just, I just hope that by the time this whole series is done, Oscar gets to live his own life. I don't know if that's what we're going to get, but that's what I'm hoping. I will maintain that hope from now until the series ends. <laughs> um, but okay, if that's, uh, if that's everything for Ozpin and Oscar, as you guys mentioned, Hazel comes in 10 seconds later. <laughs> and uh, he decides that in order to properly test uh, what Oscar, what information Oscar has given him, He's going to see if the password actually seems to work. And it does. And when it does, uh, he and Emerald are standing there with absolute proof that Oscar was telling the truth. And that more than likely, Oscar was telling the truth about everything. So, Hazel has some reassessing to do. Uh, what did we think of this whole this whole exchange and getting to see Jin again and 
seeing the wheels spin in Hazel's head. (laughs) Stacy, what do you think? So, first of all, Ginge is being completely unruffled by everything. Like, this is the most amusing little thing that's happening to her. Oh, you're back. You don't have any questions for me? (laughs) (laughs) Clearly out of touch with everything that's going on, and I love her for it. Just enjoying herself while everything while the world burns. She's just like, oh, what another day. <laughs> I guess what else can she do? Uh, I thought Hazel's approach to this was very interesting because he talked big. It was all, well, if I bring this to Salem and it's a lie, that's on me. But he goes on and on telling about how he needs Oscar to show him the proof. Really, he he didn't need very much at all. He was he was. He was already there. He was already ready to to help get these poor kids out of here and start making good choices again. I actually thought that Hazel's approach was really smart because it was, all right, well, obviously we need to test the password, but also what if something happens when the relic activates? What if it's dangerous? What if it explodes? What if there's a security measure? Like, if he is still at this point thinking this, these, this, this kid, these people, all of the above, are lying to me just to get me to stop wailing on them. I appreciate that it showed that he was smart enough to look at all of the angles and make that decision, that he didn't just take what Oscar said at face value. Like, I appreciate that we went there. I appreciate that we had that from him. And I also appreciate the, nope, questions answered. (laughs) Okay, moment. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. That clarified everything <laughs> for him. And, we, and we've been waiting for him to have his redemption arc. We've seen that he cares about the kids. And our introduction to him was him helping Oscar out, even though we knew, like, oh, this is a problem. Oz is kind of freaked out by the fact that he's here. He knows he's a problem. But he helped Oscar because Oscar needed help and he didn't know that Oscar was currently housing the soul of the person he thought was his mortal enemy. You know, just remnant things. (laughs) (laughs) It could happen to anyone. It could happen to anyone in remnant. Yeah, (laughs) hashtag just remnant things. (laughs) You never know when Ozpin will be in your son, in your father, (laughs) in your cousin. He could be anywhere. (laughs) really going for it tonight. It's a wild night, you guys. (laughs) But I appreciate that we had this. I appreciate that we got to see this for Hazel, and we got to see him go, okay, you were telling the truth. Turns out I've been on the wrong side this whole time. So uh, step one is to get all these chillins who were in danger out of danger. And then I will figure out what step two is in my instead of attempting to get revenge for my sister, doing what she ostensibly would have done in this situation, which she probably would never have gotten herself into, but uh, bygones. (laughs) So yeah, I loved this for Hazel, and I love this for Emerald. Also, just like, what are you doing? Well, we're here now. Well, this is happening. All right. (laughs) That's been a lot of Emerald recently. Okay, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> I I appreciate what you both have to say about Hazel's um, Hazel's uh, process here, because on the one hand, 
I, I'm right there with you, Katie. I do think it was a smart move. On the other hand, I kind of have to concur with Stacy in that if this was Hazel from a couple volumes ago, I don't think he would have felt the need to do this. I think he would have just gotten the password and taken it directly to Salem. I don't think he was at a particular point in his journey earlier on. I, I mean, this is a guy who's been blinded by anger and resentment for a long time. If Oscar hadn't had faith that he could, you know, reach the good in him or reason with him on some level, like, there, I don't think he would have come to this particular crossroads. Uh, and that's where we need to give a, another shout out to Oscar for for being right on the money uh, because Ozpin's Ozpin's strategy would have just to, would have just been to stay quiet or to lie or you know to find use magic to escape, but Oscar believed in him. Oscar believed that there was good in Hazel and that he could reason with him, and he was right. And when Hazel tests out whether or not Oscar is being honest and is shown that Oscar is right and being honest with him, he's like, I've made a terrible mistake. I've made many terrible mistakes. Um, and it's time. Kind of much in, in line with the rest of the theme of this volume of like, okay, I've made mistakes. It's time to start doing everything I can to do the right thing moving forward. All right, <laughs> that's not to say that he shouldn't apologize for all of the messed up stuff that he did, but you know, it's that immediate like, okay, with this new information, I can act accordingly. Um, and uh, you guys brought up Emerald and Emerald, yeah, she is also here and present and also very much like, okay, it's time to get out of Dodge. Uh, and so as they, they dismiss they dismiss Jin, and you know they don't need to. They don't need to ask a question, but they have their own little side quest to try to escape now. But just as they're leaving the room, uh, we see a pair of eyes open, and who comes out from the shadows? But Neo. And now this information has been confirmed for Neo as well, and she's alone with the lamp. And not long after, the lamp goes missing. Guys, what is Neo's next move? Katie, what do you think? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been too busy just like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, this is amazing. Oh my god. And Jen just kind of, nobody has questions? You in the back, you don't have any questions for me. <laughs> so, no. I, so much has happened this episode that I legit do not have two brain cells together. Two brain cells to rub together to construct a sentence, obviously. Or to figure out what in the hell Neo is planning on doing with this. But regardless of what she does, I'm excited. This is a spanner in the works and I am so here for it. Stacy, how about you? I feel a lot the same. I think at this point, Neo is, is just here to screw over whoever she can in any way she can, and that includes Salem now. <laughs> and she's suddenly in this very powerful position where, all right, I know it's secrets. I'm going to take it. 
maybe she'll take it back to Cinder if that's the most chaos she thinks she can cause. But I don't necessarily think she has a very strong allegiance to Cinder to bring it to her out of the goodness of her heart. So I guess she's going to do whatever's going to cause the most chaos. I appreciate the idea of Neo picking up the lamp and just looking at everyone and you can just see the fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, yes! you you're okay, fuck you, fuck you, <laughs> that. As to the one person whom she thinks is okay, I have no idea, but yeah, everyone else is just like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> I mean, probably Emerald, they seem to be on the same page about a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my guess. And Oscar punched her in the face. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely not on her good side. <laughs> I would like to think that she would punch him back as she's fleeing, but I don't know if he'd survive that. Oz wakes up in someone else's body like, oh my god, really? <laughs> <sighs> Again. <sighs> I wonder if Neo isn't just planning on using the lamp to confirm a few things for herself because if I'm remembering correctly after her confrontation with Cinder a couple volumes ago um, Cinder convinced her that Ruby Rose was actually to blame for Torchwick's death um, what if what if Neo uses the lamp to verify whether or not that's actually the case and if she finds out, oh, no, it wasn't. It was a random grim. Uh, Cinder's just been using me all this time. Interesting. <laughs> time for me, like Hazel, to reassess my priorities. But instead of hurting children, she's just like, mm, I'm a free agent now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> You guys got a lot going on here. I think I'm just going to take my umbrella and, like, peace. <laughs> Laters. <laughs> Neo, out. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> she's bouncing one way or another. <laughs> I think she's going to have a beautiful friendship with Jin. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, oh, what if she summons her and her question is, do you want to be friends? Aww. They're just gonna hang out and, you know, go off into some remote location and be buddies. Until Jin locks down for another century. Well, and then Neo's gonna have to go back to the revenge game. <laughs> yeah, do you want to be friends? Yes. Goes back into the lamp. Alone again. <laughs> but, but where'd you go, friend? <laughs> Guess some people have to die now. Maybe, maybe we're going in the completely wrong direction with it. Maybe Neo just wants to hawk that thing. Like, take it to the nearest pawn shop and live like a queen. <laughs> Suddenly some random, like, housewife collector has this beautiful artifact. Hey, in we, the know curio for, cabinet. we know for a fact there are some shady characters in Mistral who would probably pay top dollar for that lamp. <laughs> I wonder if she would try to broker an alliance with, God, I don't know, Ironwood, some of our protagonists, someone. Because that, that lamp is a bargaining tool, honestly. And she knows that it puts a huge target on her back once they can figure out that she has it. So if she can figure out a way to bargain with it, that's a lot. Yeah, I guess it's just a matter of 
what does Neo want right now? Um, because initially I, w I figured it was mutual respect with the people that she's working with and then revenge, but seeing that Cinder's only out for herself and having that like reaffirmed, I, yeah, I really don't know what Neo's priorities are right now. Um, I'm still hoping for that Emerald Neo ship, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. She might, it, she looks like she's heading out on her own. So who knows whether or not we'll get that ship. We'd have to ask Jin ourselves and we can't, we can't, we have no idea. Um, we don't have access to the Lambda this time. So we don't know whether or not that's go ever going to happen, but we're in the love loft. I'm going to just sit here and wish and hope. All right, then folks. We want to take a quick moment to talk to you about iTunes. Folks, thank you so much to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate, subscribe, leave a comment. We love hearing from you, and it is a fantastic way to help us out um, to make sure that people who are looking for Rooster Teeth-related content come across our podcast. It means the world to us, and we really appreciate it. Uh, we also like giving shout-outs to people who give uh, ratings and reviews. We don't have any new ones this week, however... We have a ton of Twitter shout-outs, so if you're not already following us on Twitter, please do so at the Rooster Team, and we want to know what you guys think of this podcast and what you think of Rooster Teeth-related shows as a whole. Okay, we got a lot to get through on this one, so uh, shouting out on Twitter, that Kaito Dan, who not only uh, shouted out our Rooster Team radio podcast, but he also shouted out the reaction video that Katie and I did to, uh, <laughs> to episode episode eight of this volume so thank you so much dan asimov 95 who had some extremely kind words to say about our latest episode of welcome to Vale. so thank you asimov thank you so much you were way too kind caitlin Geddes, rooster teeth dfw shadow angel lano dantheon game boy nate maxis fox 23 t and vines brandon dodge rhythmic warrior Drummer Girl 456, aka Jade. We love you, Jade. High Five Waterslide, which I think is still one of my absolute favorite <laughs> profile names. It's so good. Cam Griffin, Malachroma, Simon Luxenberg, Pika Twig, She Got to Reaction, TNT Raider, aka Jacob. Thanks, Jacob. Chris Half the Battle, Billy P, Quarantine Flux, Aesop Mari, Sirs and Madams, Giga Derek, Michael Clifton, Karibo 0812515. Thank you all so, so much. Again, if you're not already following us on Twitter, please do so. That's where all of our announcements go. You guys can also join in the conversation on Discord. There's so much fun conversations going on in there. I absolutely love the art thread and um, the I am proud of me thread. There's just there's so much good stuff and it's it's a lot of fun to keep up with people. So go and join that. We also have a tea public where you guys can support our podcast by buying t-shirts of the funny things that we say. Uh, so please go do that. It's a ton of fun. Tea public is doing sales all of the time. So go check those out. And we have a sponsor for today's episode. This episode and this podcast are sponsored by Fred. He bakes. He does cookies and cookies are what we need in these trying times. <laughs> Let's be real. 
So yes, obtain some cookies, enjoy them. His flagship cookie is the brown sugar buddy, which is like a cross between a ginger snap and a spice cookie and a molasses cookie. It is chewy. It is incredible. Highly, highly recommended. If you like that idea but want more fall flavors, because fall flavors should be had all year round, don't at me, you can get the maple brown sugar buddy, which is all the goodness of a, of a brown sugar buddy with added maple. If you are more of a chocolate chip cookie person, we have the big chip buddies. They are huge, they are fluffy, they are full of chocolate chips, and they are incredible. And if you're like me and you want to get a sampler of everything so you can try everything and find out what you like, he does sampler boxes so you can pick what you want and then order more of your favorite, which if you're like me will also be everything because everything is really good, you guys. It's all made fresh, it's never frozen, made to order. You cannot find these in stores. The only place you can find them is at fredhebakes.com. That's three words, fredhebakes.com. And use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off your entire order. fredhebakes.com, coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM. Treat yourself, you deserve it. Thank you guys so much again for all of the various ways that you support our podcast. You guys are the best. Okay, let's get back to it. Okay, so the team splits up. Emerald and Oscar, disguised as Hazel, are heading one way, and Hazel is heading the other to go and get Ozpin's staff. And guys, this was so good because Emerald and Oscar have a run-in with Salem before she realizes that the lamp <laughs> that the realizes that the lamp is gone and that there are intruders in the whale. It's so good. What did we think of this moment where Hazel, Hazel, quote unquote, <laughs> and Emerald are having to stand there in front of Salem without blowing their cover? Let's start with Stacy. So I have to be honest, I probably shouldn't watch things like five minutes after waking up on a Saturday morning. <laughs> Because it took me way too long to catch on to what was going on there. I just sat there for a second and I was like, wow, Hazel really falls apart after he's defected. <laughs> and then it hit me. Girl, I didn't realize that was the case until we had the reveal later. So, um, And we recorded ours at like 1 p.m. <laughs> so I didn't even have that excuse. So, yeah, no, I feel you. This is just like, uh, Hazel, buddy, you okay? I know. I was like, I was like, wow, he, he's really falling apart. Is what's, what's going on here, dude? And then I'm like rewatching it. I'm like, oh, yeah, look, Emerald is like directing him what to do because obviously Hazel would know exactly how to react to Salem. Gosh. Well, it fooled me, so I guess it's not too surprising that it fooled Salem. I think this might be a scene that plays better upon a rewatch when you know what's happening. Because, yeah, it is a little surprising the first time around, like, uh, are you alright there, buddy? And then once you know, it's, ah, uh, oh my god, that semblance works on everything, even the audience! <laughs> Good job, Emerald. <laughs> wow. All the way to the other side of the fourth wall. <laughs> Well, it's also great, too, because they, they do a wonderful instance of the pronoun game because they're like, do you think he'll be okay on his own? And it's mm -hmm. just like, oh, <laughs> uh, because we think they're talking about Oscar. Nope. <laughs> I Yeah, so masterfully done. 
I do have one other question um, because, you know, we, we talked about like how, you know, Neo, what's Neo's future right here? Um, because she's kind of a free agent. She doesn't really have any super big loyalties to anybody. Uh, Emerald right here, as, as Salem floats off, what's Emerald's, you know, motive here? Where, what's, what's her next move? Because as she gets, uh, as she helps get Oscar reunited with his team, uh, they make it very clear that, like, hey, none of us are friends with her. Uh, <laughs> why on earth should we trust her? And the only reason that they do is because Ren can sense that she's afraid. So what's going to happen to Emerald moving forward? Uh, like, is she still going to remain loyal to Cinder? Is her aim going to be to try to rescue Cinder from this situation? What do we think is Emerald's future here? Let's start with Kate. It might be to try to get Cinder out of there, but a push has come to shove here, and she had to kind of figure out what side she was on, and the side that she was on was not the side that was gearing up to cause the apocalypse. So the question does remain whether or not she'll still be loyal to Cinder, but if Cinder is still extremely loyal to Salem, I can see that bond breaking. Especially with Mercury doing the whole, she doesn't actually care about you bit, and with them now understanding that, oh, they're in an apocalypse cult, and the person who brought them in knows that and didn't tell them. So... Do we know if Cinder knows that Salem wants to end the world? Because it sounds like she's told something different to everyone, and it's possible the only person who truly knew that, yeah, we're going to literally murder everyone, was Tyrion. Because Tyrion is down for literally <laughs> murdering everyone. This is not a deal breaker, that is a deal maker. But I have to wonder how many people in this apocalypse cult know that that's exactly what it is. Does Watts know? Hazel didn't. Hazel got the New World Order line without the, yeah, the New World Order is going to be everyone dead. Um, Emerald didn't. Emerald didn't. Mercury didn't believe it until Tyrion told him. So then the question is, does Cinder know it's an apocalypse cult? And can she be swayed with that information? Because I think whether or not she knows and whether or not she can be swayed is going to dictate what, uh, Emeralds, I nearly called her Mercury. God damn it. <laughs> wow! It's not just me! Oh, it's It'll contagious. You have infected everyone. Um, I really do think that whether Cinder knows... Yeah, I think that whether Cinder knows that she's in an apocalypse cult and whether she's choosing to stay or what she chooses to do if she did not know that information and then receives it is going to dictate what Emerald's alliances are from then on out, because Emerald knows it's an apocalypse cult, and Emerald is not here for this shit. But she is here for Cinder, we think. So I think that's going to be contingent on what Cinder knows and what she chooses to do. Stacy, what about you? I feel like Salem can really only be her authentic self with Tyrion in this case. <laughs> He's the only one that really understands her heart, apparently. Full of murdering the world wishes as it is. 
I doubt that Cinder would be particularly on board with ending the whole world. She wants power. How do you have power if everyone, including you, is dead? <laughs> so unless Salem spun some elaborate tale about how she'll, you know, be accepted by the gods and ascend to their ranks or something, which maybe, but we have no indication of something like that happening and everyone else has seemed very surprised by this news, Tyrion accepted. I don't, I don't know that Cinder knows. I I mean, Salem wasn't even gonna let her in on some of the immediate plans just here in Atlas. Mm. I think it's I think it's a safe assessment to say that yeah, Cinder probably doesn't know the the grander scope of the destruction and was probably just promised power. Maybe she was promised the destruction of Atlas, but I don't think she was really let in on the whole world destruction as opposed to domination bit. Right. But I, I don't know, Stacy. do you think Emerald, uh, do you think then that there's going to be a confrontation between Emerald and Cinder, if that's the case? Uh, I think Emerald is being faced with a lot of truths in a very rapid fashion and is <laughs> dealing with it better than some would. <laughs> but she definitely has decided that, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. She jumps on board with this getting out of their plan and, like, muscles through, you know, Yang's criticisms and Ren's call out of her fear. And she's like, yeah, well, I know the way out. Are you coming or not? I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's just charging out of here. And I think she'll, she'll charge her way out. I do think that she will kind of retain... It, it's hard to break an allegiance that strong and to have been kind of under Cinder's sway for as long as she was and completely devoted to her. I think there's going to be part of her that, that is constantly trying to find her, to tell her the truth, to bring her around, to get Cinder back on her team, which is going to play really interestingly depending on how much she stays with with our heroes and how she sees them interact and how they start interacting with her and i feel like emerald's story might be very influenced by how the others react to her as an outsider and as someone who has done horrible things in the past and what that reception means to kind of changing her word worldview and undoing some of the trauma that has been you know heaped upon her i want to see this now <laughs> <laughs> i like this i'm here for it i don't really have anything pithy to offer but yeah um i like this trope i'm here for it let's go yeah it's gonna make for some interesting dynamics moving forward because she was instrumental in Cinder's plan um, that, you know, made you know, that caused the fall of Beacon and the death of Pyrrha. Like, Emerald has a lot of stuff to answer for, so it's gonna be interesting to see her interactions with uh, these kids moving forward and, you know, whether or not they can, you know, set aside 
you know, what's happened in the past or whether she'll express any remorse for the things that she's done in the past and, you know, focus on the very present, <laughs> very real danger that they're all in at, at, any, cur at any current moment. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting. You know, just as uh, Ren and Yang and Jean work all their shit out, they bring in someone <laughs> who's done terrible things to them. And it's like, okay, now we're going to have more stuff that we got to hash out. <laughs> we Let's out complicate things further. <laughs> we figured out all of this. Great. Now we're adopting this angry stray cat <laughs> who can make us hallucinate. Let's go. <laughs> and has wronged us horribly in the past. Yes. I, I will be interested to see how this goes, and I really do think how Emerald feels about Cinder is going to play into how well she interacts with our crew, because Emerald certainly had a large part to play in that plan, but um, she wasn't the one who fired the arrow. So... Yeah... And can we, as an audience, forgive her for murdering Tuxin? I don't know, guys. I don't know. <laughs> I've never forgotten. Didn't Mercury do that? He did. But, like, <laughs> she helped. Yeah, that's what she said, isn't it? Um, all right, we've gone full circle. All right, all right, all right. Let's just talk about punching people in the face now. Okay, yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, all that aside, doesn't really matter. Uh, their escape attempt sort of gets thwarted, what with the fact that Salem shows up, and she is pissed. Like, we haven't seen her this mad since she flipped a table and <laughs> nearly murdered Hazel for her apologizing. <laughs> And so what ensues is a real honest, honest to God fight with Salem, which is awesome and terrifying. And it does not last long, but it has some great moments in it. Uh, what was your favorite part of this fight, this initial fight <laughs> with Salem before Hazel came in? Katie? I don't think I had a favorite part. I think I was just screaming <laughs> a lot. Because nothing really worked out until Yang tried, and then that didn't work out either. But that gave us essentially a backbreaker, and we had... Let's be real. The only reason they're getting away with this level of gore is because it's mostly implied, and all of the goo is red-streaked grim goo. It's not <laughs> actually blood and viscera, because Salem is no longer made of blood and viscera. She's made of spite. And <laughs> immortality. And <laughs> and immortality, yeah. Spite and immortality. So Yang explodes the spite out of her, and she brings it all back in and goes, <laughs> surprise. Like, yeah, I just did a lot of yelling when that happened, and I did a lot of yelling during the second part of the fight. You were laughing your face off, and I was just, ah! So yeah, it was fun. Stacy, how about you? Yeah, this, this really was the goriest that we've seen Ruby at, I, I think. This was very viscerally, like, even even though it was, you know, grim blood, it made a statement. Uh, the last I, time we were this bloody, it was Clover. Yeah. Yeah. 
We got close there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel like this fight was a toss-up between Yang actually getting a solid hit on Salem and Jean throwing himself shield and all in front of Ren uh, as another example of their fantastic teamwork. Their camaraderie. Yeah. Yes. Good stuff. Um, but yeah, she she's mad. She ends up, it doesn't take her long before she's subduing. She has everybody subdued. And we get two very interesting interactions. One, she's interrogating Emerald, which is legitimately upsetting because, yeah, Emerald starts crying. And, like, look, if you had told me way, way back in, like, volume three that uh, this character, like, I was going to feel this sort of emotion for this character, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> um, because she had just, you know, she played such a big part of cinder's plan um but yeah it's it's legitimately upsetting and uh, then she she talks to to ozpin and she's like you know berating him and then like how could you lower yourself to this and why do you keep coming back you know like it's not obvious that it's because of the gods <laughs> <laughs> you know the same reason you keep coming back but then we have the big moment, I think, of this episode, which, much like we had it in the previous volume, Yang calls her out. She calls her out on, like, oh, boo-hoo, something bad happened to you once. Big deal. Like, you, that gives you the excuse to murder everybody? Like, that's a terrible excuse. Nobody gets a fairy tale ending, and you're the reason that I've lost so many people including my mom, Summer Rose, which, hell yeah, Yang. <laughs> I know Raven's not here, but hell yeah, Yang. <laughs> um, yeah, and Salem floats on over to Yang and recognizes the name Summer Rose, and much like she did in the previous volume when she was talking to Ruby, she just smiles with this very knowing grin and says oh her again and given what we now know about the hound uh what implication does this have for poor summer rose katie what do you think <laughs> i don't know why you let me do this i don't know why you let me do this <laughs> <laughs> she can see me lean back from the mic and take a deep breath our poor neighbors are probably like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> but yeah pretty much just that this coming on the heels of Soylent and Johnny is on purpose 110% turn on your locations Kruby I just want to talk <laughs> yeah no that that is absolutely the implications that they are going for here and the fact that she recognizes and remembers that name is just like okay you're gonna pick something particularly terrible to do if you haven't already because of that that said i still really appreciate yang picking up cool motive still murder and throwing it in her face because i feel like we do all need reminders from time to time to take a step back from a villain story and a villain's motivation and whether or not they have a tragedy in their backstory and go, okay, but what are they actively doing? 
Like, are they being manipulated or are they deciding to do this out of spite or because the world wronged them or just because they want to? So yeah, cool motive still murder is, uh, is a good way to frame your villains and a good way to look at villain stories. It's okay to like villains as characters, but there's a lot of them that you should not be sympathizing with and that's a good motivation check right there. Stacy, what are your thoughts? The entire sequence was the writers and the animators teaming up on us poor, defenseless viewers. <laughs> Did you mean this entire season? Is that? Yes, but especially that. Legit. <laughs> this this was the most pointed example we have had so far. <laughs> Your Honor, I direct you to Exhibit A. Par again. We have been personally attacked and hounded, and there are bad things in the future. I came out to have a good time, and I'm feeling so attacked right now. And, and Salem's I'll take out more here of it, like, please. I came out to attack people, and I'm having such a good time right now. <laughs> is that not the description for this episode? <laughs> I feel like it really is. That's word for word. That is what it says on the app. <laughs> I came out here to attack people, and I'm having such a good time right now. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, yeah, this... So, so yeah, what do you think? What does this mean uh, in regards to Summer Rose? It means that they are in danger of <laughs> massive, massive emotional trauma in the future. <laughs> they are or we are. All of the above. <laughs> Summer Rose is definitely on her radar, and we've seen what horrors she can cook up, and we probably can't even imagine what horrors in store for Summer Rose. Yeah, this is definitely one of those plot points where I don't know if it's exactly what we think it's going to be, like if it's exactly like, oh, she's got another hound somewhere. Or if it's going to be one of those things where it's like, it's far worse than we're imagining. I'm sure it is. Like, yeah, I don't know. So we haven't yet seen a Grimm that was made out of an amalgamation of people. Uh, How why many would you people bring that can... to this world? <laughs> <laughs> why speak How that thought people? into existence? <laughs> How many people can you fit inside of a singular Grimm? That is the question. Uh, so are you, Katie, are you proposing that we get, like, a grim Dark Souls boss that's just, like, a bunch of people stacked on top of each other in some sort of, like, Lovecraftian mesh? Yeah. <laughs> Don't! Yeah. I'm all about it! Hell yeah! <laughs> I feel like there's also, I cannot for the life of me remember where I saw this, but I know it showed up in more than one thing where... A monster consumes its victim, and then, like, their face appears on its flesh somewhere. Oh, uh, Like, that's an option. I believe that was an episode of Doctor Who, but it's... Yes, but also I've seen it done elsewhere to much better effect. Uh, I Devil was trying... Devil Crybaby! <laughs> well, I was trying not to think about the absorbable author. <laughs> and the fact that I know what it's called. Regardless, imagine that, but as grim, with... Multiple people on the inside. Why? 
Because I'm terrible, Stacy. <laughs> because I'm terrible. Well, now it's here. Shut <laughs> I Shut. will live with this. Shut up and take my money. Oh my god. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. <laughs> it's kind of like, and I, I keep going back to Hades here, how some of the enemy descriptions you get, and it's just like, this is a bunch of souls compressed together screaming in agony. And I'm like, great! Cool! And it fires lasers? Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what... You know how, like, at the end of the last volume was when we got the Monstra reveal? What if that's the reveal at the end of this volume? Oh my god. <laughs> Shambling amalgamate grim zombies. It's this is basically Undertale amalgamations, but grim with people in them. Yeah! <laughs> All right! Endogeny, here we come. You guys can't see the look on my face, but I am smiling and my heart is singing. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> I didn't get you chocolate. I got you nightmares. Yay! Our favorite. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Poor Stacy over here, like, why did I have to be here for this? Why would you, you do this You can have my me? portion. Take it. <laughs> Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> um, okay. So, as Salem, uh, you know. Not long after Salem says that, Hazel comes back in with the pizza and sees everything <laughs> on fire and, and goes, uh, he realizes he's come back into the worst possible timeline. Um, but, you know, she, she decides that she's going to continue her interrogation with Emerald. She instructs Hazel to send Ozpin back to his cell. And so Hazel strides over, picks up Oscar and says, no more Gretchen's boy. Puts him down and hands over Ozpin's staff. And then proceeds to uppercut a bitch. And what we get is this fantastic fight um, between Hazel and Salem. And he knows he cannot win this fight. He's already played this game before. He knows there's no winning. But... He also knows that he has no other choice because this is exactly what his sister would be doing in this scenario. So he, inje he injects a bunch of dust crystals into his flesh to give him a superpowered charge and they proceed to fight and it is awesome. What did we think of this heel turn fight? <laughs> Stacy, what, what was your thought on this throwdown showdown? Thank you for this fight. And also, we finally got an explanation for why Hazel's shirt was designed the way it was. So he could dramatically rip it off and hurl himself at Salem. And we appreciate it. Mystery solved. <laughs> All I mean, legit. Seeing Hazel punch the shit out of Salem was very satisfying, even if it was fruitless. <laughs> That's actually the part where I started screaming again, because, again, he punched her and there was goo. <laughs> it was extremely blood spatter, and I am 100% certain that was the point. But also, yeah, we started up this hoedown, showdown, throwdown, and it was really, really cool with the leaping and the running and the giant, ridiculous, dust-created bomb of fire and stone, and then the punching happened, and that's when I started screaming. Because... Ah! 
And it was great, mind you. I enjoyed all of this. And ending with the grabbing her and detonating fire dust between his teeth. Holy shit, dude. You scare me. It's amazing. You scare me. <laughs> so best case scenario is that he's super dead. Like, that is the best case scenario for him. Because if he survives this and remains in Salem's grasp, we're going to wind up in fate worse than death territory. Whether that means being inside a grim or just being flayed alive, who knows? But best case scenario, he's super dead. I think as far as fight scenes go, this is one of the most cathartic fights that the series has given us. It's given us remarkable fight scenes. It's given us emotionally charged fight scenes. Uh, but I think it's been a little while since we got a fight scene where like you see it start and you want to throw your arms up in the air and cheer. Like, like, don't get me wrong, there are lots of cheer-worthy moments within this series, but this is one that we've been anticipating for a long time. And so to finally see it happen is really exciting and really cathartic. And um, let's be real, assuming he is dead, this is the culmination of a character arc as well. Um, like, he has completed his journey and is now doing everything he can to... Like, I don't want to say, like, and now he's redeemed for all that stuff he did. Uh, because, no, not necessarily. Uh, but he is now doing everything he can to try to make things right. And uh, at the moment, the best thing he can do is giving his life so that these kids can get away. Um, and, yeah, it it is cool. It's uh awesome to see to see the extent of his abilities and how that measures up against salem's immortality it's cool and it's sad to see it's sad to see him go because honestly i wanted to see hazel stick around as a mentor figure and maybe you know have his self-sacrifice maybe a little further down the road but uh we're in volume eight shit's gotten real <laughs> we don't you know we don't get to go on a road trip with every character anymore <laughs> also Tyrion is the one that's getting the road trip <laughs> at the moment and mercury whether he likes it or not look the allotted road trips have been given out and our decisions are final yeah sorry hazel <laughs> i would love next episode to just do a real quick like 30 second scene just to see what that road trip looks like right now. <laughs> Just to see it. It's, it's the equivalent of in the middle of a fight, cutting to someone who's in the elevator with the music going on before opening up the elevator doors to reveal the carnage. Like, that's kind of what I want. It's just the next episode, just opening with 30 seconds of, so, how much further is it? I am picturing the road trip from a Goofy movie where <laughs> Tyrion oh, no. is surprisingly listening to High Hopes <laughs> and Mercury keeps wanting to turn it over to the rock and roll station. <laughs> I feel like the first time Tyrion turns it back, Mercury keeps his hands to himself. <laughs> that man has a poison tail and no compunctions. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, okay. Do we have any other thoughts on the culmination of Hazel's arc and this fight? Any final thoughts? Uh, Katie. 
talk about dad? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go for no, it. just uh, again, it's, I, I said that, and then I was like, no, I really just want to lie in my feelings about dad. <laughs> that was that was false that I want to talk about him. I just want to lie here and be like, oh, okay. In another life, you could have been a great mentor figure, but instead you got subsumed by the witch, and now we're having redemption via death. And that's that's not a bad thing. I don't generally have problems with that trope. And I appreciate that he was initially planning, all right, I, we're going to get the kids out, and then I'm going to do everything I can to make sure to foil all of her plans, etc., etc. Oh, okay, I guess in this situation, it's sacrificing myself to make sure the kids live. I appreciate that it wasn't, I'm going to die to get things done from the get-go. I appreciate that it was, I'm going to get things done okay the way that things are shaking out right here and now uh it looks like i need to go down in order to ensure that the kids will live and you know what fine so i can appreciate that i'm gonna miss him and again i would really really like to see a body confirmation like i want confirmation that he is dead because until slash unless i get that i will continue to fear the worst for him stacy <laughs> This is kind of wild to think about because for us, this was such a fresh and exciting fight seeing Hazel, Hazel face off against Salem. But for him, we're just falling back into something that he's done so many times. But at the same time, there's almost this new hope to it. He has a purpose for doing this. There is a chance that they'll get out and will be able to change this. And to bring that whole new meaning to this very old fight for him and this very new fight for us made it really interesting to watch. And uh, he, he burned a witch at the end. <laughs> we burned her. Okay, one legit amazing, yes. Two, I had completely forgotten about that note where to convince him she let him beat her to death multiple times and then just popped right back up. I forgot about that. Oh, boy. Wow. Stacy getting her revenge. Yeah, and I did not put it together that basically they were burning the witch at the stake. <laughs> Hazel was the stake. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that excellent. Well done. Um, yeah, this, th again, it's sad to see him go, um, but at the same, and like I said, I would have loved to have spent more time with this character, but as far as the culmination of a character arc goes, it was really cool, it was really cathartic. Sad he's gone, but oh man, was that a spectacular way to go out. Um, uh, okay, and the only other thing I think we need to touch on before we wrap up is the fact that, I mean, the reason he was holding her in place there was so that Oscar could use magic to try to subdue her. So the kids run out. Oscar, even though they came here to retrieve Oscar, Oscar insists that they go on without him. And even though he established earlier in the episode that he's afraid of using magic and he doesn't want to use it because he can feel their souls merging faster. Much like the end of volume three, we see a burst of magic before we fade out. 
and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> and the last time that happened, it was the last time we saw Ozpin until he was reincarnated in Oscar. So, when the dust settles, what is this scene going to look like? Stacy, <laughs> any thoughts on what it's going to look like when we cut back? I don't know. This is where my <laughs> brain broke. I ran out of brain cells to think about what was going on. I think I was just kind of staring at the screen going, time magic, time magic, what? Wait, what, what did he do? What's happening? Why does it look like that? And I haven't really been able to make any sense of it since that. So I really don't know. You just sound so sad. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Someone tell me. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Stacy. Oh. There was a lot to handle in that episode, and I was not equipped to handle that. <laughs> None of us were. I am fully expecting Oscar to come staggering out of the whale and just like, he's gone. It won't be too long before she gets back up. We need to leave. Again, best case scenario here. We're ending in a DBZ style beam war light. And you know what? Ah. <laughs> I think I'm kind of with Stacy here. I don't have two brain cells to rub together anymore. I'm just like, Yeah, I mean, Ospin and Hazel both know that just hitting her real hard isn't really going to do a whole bunch. Like, hitting her really hard at best buys them a couple minutes, maybe. Um, so, yeah, I kind of concur with Stacy, even though we, we're not quite sure what happened. Um, magic in this world is still something that's really nebulous and not 100% defined. But, like, if we can take magic as the ability to change the world around you, yeah, maybe Ozpin did use his magic to do a little something extra, like maybe freeze her in time for a minute. Maybe he made a little pocket dimension to throw her into that's going to take some time for her to magic her way out of. Um, or maybe he really did just hit her really hard. <laughs> uh, so he could get those couple of minutes. Um, my big concern is less what are the, what magic did Ozpin throw at her? My big concern is how much this accelerated the merging process with him and Oscar. And I'm really hoping, because again, I want this series to end with, Oscar getting to live his own life, I'm really hoping that this didn't put Ozpin permanently in the driver's seat. I don't think it did because I still think we've got a ways to go before we get to the end of this series, but at the same time, I'm like, that would be something this season would do. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you in that I think we're too early for that especially since we can milk this for so much more drama than we already have. <laughs> Let's be real. But yeah, I wouldn't put it past him either. <laughs> well. Uh, yeah, this season do something upsetting? Pfft, nah. Never. 
as though we haven't s spent the past 90 minutes sitting here hurting ourselves and each other. <laughs> yeah, these recap episodes are really just us sort of screaming into the void, aren't they? <laughs> just get it out somehow. Screaming our feelings. <laughs> I've already done enough of that this episode. Your editing job's going to be hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think on that note, okay. Do we have any final thoughts on this week's episode before we wrap it up for the night? Stacy, final thoughts? I have so many fears now. <laughs> so many more than before. <laughs> I am terrified and very excited. <laughs> Fifteen fears and also fleshy amalgamate grim. <laughs> We're not even thinking about that one right now. Okay, thank you. That's going in its own little pocket and staying there until I have to address it. And repressed. <laughs> Katie, how about you? Final thoughts? I mean, hopefully you never have to address it. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but, um... I know better okay. than that. <laughs> Salem just stitching Grim together like, it's fine, everything's fine. We did winged monkeys. We did a dog inside a man. What'll they think of next? <laughs> Fucking Grim Wonka God, up in here. You mean a man inside a dog? Did I say a dog inside a what? man? Do you want a, no. a grim Russian nesting doll? Like you put a grim inside of the man and then the man inside of the grim. <laughs> oh God, it's getting worse. Oh my god, like bug grim that get inside of you and then burst. Oh, there we go, got her. Got it. Alright, you, mm. you could have let me just walk away with my flub, but no. No. You knew I'd gone with fleshy amalgamate grim and you encouraged me. This is your fault. So, final thoughts on the episode, Katie. <laughs> Stop! No. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for the next one. <laughs> so, I'm terrified. It's going to be great. Let's go. <laughs> I'm right there with you guys. Next one, please. I am looking forward to more Nightmare Fuel. Also, again, just bravo. Uh, cast and crew uh, of Ruby. Um, everybody is giving it 110%. Um they put this together during a pandemic. Just bravo, bravissima. I can't wait to see the rest of the volume and see how everything shakes out. Thank you guys just so much for all your hard work on this show. And uh, thanks to you guys listening to this episode. We really appreciate you sticking around to hear our thoughts. Stacy, where can people go if they want to keep up with you? I'm Stacy Shuttleworth. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stacy Shuttles. Recently, uh, playing Hades has kind of inspired me to get back into creating some crazy jewelry pieces. So um, I'm going to be working on those and hopefully remembering to chronicle them online. So you can keep up with the journey as I agonize over color schemes there. I'm Katie. I'm going to be following that journey very closely and probably attempting to buy those pieces off of you because I've been on a quest for Hades jewelry. Uh, you can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxet, that is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you like reaction videos to Ruby and other rooster teeth things and also other random stuff, they live on that YouTube channel. I am also on an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast called On The Point. It is currently on hiatus because we're between seasons, but it's a good backlog. Check that out. We have a good time.
And once again, you can follow the wonderful Mark B. Donica at Mark B. Donica on Twitter. And I'm Megan Salinas. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Manguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. Uh, I am on a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost, where my co-host Will Link loves Lost, and I don't, and we talk about it. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where Katie and I talk about horror things. Uh, coming up soon, don't know exactly when, but we will be doing a thorough discussion of Willy's Wonderland, and I can't wait for that. That's going to be fun. It's our birthday, <laughs> and they want us to have fun. <laughs> Be sure to follow the whole team at The Rooster Team. If you haven't already done so already, be sure to check out our latest episode of Welcome to Vale. We did a grim fairy tale for the Valentine Day holiday. It's a good time, so please check it out and let us know what you think. Leave us a review on iTunes. Send us all your thoughts. Join our Discord, which, once again, is in the description below. Purchase stuff from our tea public. It's a good time. Support our sponsor, Fred He Bakes. And finally, we have one more announcement before we wrap it up for the night. As always, we end with the important things. Wear a mask anytime you're going outside. Doesn't matter if you're just walking the dog, getting the mail, whatever. You cannot plan for other people's actions or decisions. You are absolutely in charge of your own. And wearing a mask protects you a little bit and other people a lot. And that's kind of the point. So make sure you wear a mask anytime you go outside. Support your essential workers. Be patient with your essential workers. They do not get the option to stay at home to work, and they are doing their best. We are all in a pandemic right now, you guys, and it is rough. So be patient, be kind, be supportive. This goes for your postal workers as well. There are still shenanigans at the post office, so be sure to support them. Be patient when you order things, buy stamps, etc. Black Lives Matter. Black LGBTQIA lives matter. Black trans lives matter. Black Lives Matter, that has not changed, that will not change. Thank you for voting. Please remember to vote in your local elections, in the midterm elections, in any upcoming elections you have. Change does indeed start at the local level, so if you can get in people that you like at the local level, make sure you can remember to vote. And also be sure to poke your electeds and either ask them to do the things you want them to do or thank you or thank them for doing the things that you wanted them to do. Positive reinforcement is a good thing. Wear a mask. Take care of each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. And remember that we love you. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. We love you. This has been Ruby Redux, and now it's time to say goodbye. <laughs> Thank you.